Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. And I have a great show today. You know, when you talk about scaling custom software development projects, there's one name that's start, starting to really come above and beyond many of the others. The name of the company is Azumo. And if you're in the space, you've probably heard of Azumo. They've got a great program. It's really a leading what they call nearshore software development company, which I love so much. And of course, they confidently build apps for the web, mobile data and cloud, and they do so much more. Of course, they're a top rated software development company. I'm honored today to be able to have got on the show the CEO and founder, Mr. Chike Abai, and he is doing such great week at work as the executive officer, the CEO of Azumo. Chike, welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here today. Yeah, it's great to have you. You've done such great, such great work at the company. I mean, the, the, the reviews are incredible. The case stories are remarkable. Before we get into it, though, because we have so many questions, I want to talk about your entrepreneurial journey as well. Your background experience is just stellar, top notch, I mean, at the highest level. Let's talk about Azumo. Get, let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet, and then we'll get into it. Sure, sure. So uh, not to go too far back, but I started my career as an investment banker uh, covering software and technology out here in Silicon Valley. I uh, spent almost 20 years raising debt, helping companies go public, uh, doing M&A advisory work uh, for mainly software uh, companies all out here of household names everybody would probably know. That's awesome, Chike. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. I mean, you've built the business. You have a great team. What types of companies reach out to you at your company at Azumo and they say, hey, Chike, we have a problem. We need to solve something. We need to hire you and your team because we've heard about what you're doing. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the very first company who approached us, our very first customer ever uh, way back uh, long ago was Twitter. Um, so, you know, when you ask that question, I always start there. Uh, and from there, we have been uh, very successful working with really large companies um, in technology and across uh, the enterprise. But we, we realize that, you know, everybody needs this type of work. Everybody needs this type of help uh, for developing great applications, great software. And so we, we reach down and work with everybody. Um, it's not just the largest of large companies. We've got a great track record working with emerging startups, um, mid-stage, uh, middle market companies as well. I love it. Let's focus in on the startups because a lot of these startup founders, they have a technology, they have an idea, maybe they can take it to a certain point, but they can't push it past the point where they're 
currently at from a technological standpoint. What do those conversations start start with? You know, when you talk to a startup founder, how does that conversation sort of sound the first time they reach out to a Zumo? Yeah, it's a good question again. So what ends up happening here is that you get two different founders uh, typically. Number one, the first founder is very technically oriented. It has a strong understanding of what they need to do and has built good software in their lives in the past uh, for either themselves or for some other company. Um, and those people are generally really good at us having a conversation about what they do on a day-to-day -day basis and what they need. And, and they're very open, though, to listening to advice that we can give on different strategies that we've seen work uh, for companies like theirs. Uh, the second type of company are those folks who uh, don't necessarily have a technical background. Um, those we, we like to take a little bit slower approach with honestly, because we, we want to make sure that we're aligned uh, and we're talking the same language. Uh, and so that when we start building software, when we start writing code for them, they're going to get what they expected. And so it, it's a different path for both companies uh, at the end of the day. But, um, at, but the core of it is that we're both aligned and we're both talking to each other in a language we both can understand. Yeah, I love it. It's very interesting, especially when you speak to the startup founder and you mentioned you give them some advice, you give them some elements of consultation based on your background and experience. I would imagine if I'm a startup founder and I hear that, you know, people like you and the members of your team are going to give me a little advice as well. I mean, I'm on the phone, you know, immediately. Is that sort of the way it works? Yeah, it, I, I wish it did. It doesn't always work that way. Um, you know, you know, usually when you find a good founder who's got a strong opinion, they, they want to go in a different direction um, or in a certain direction. Um, our goal in that in those situations is just to make sure that um, we give them everything they need uh, in terms of information to make the decision for themselves. Yeah, I love it. Now, let's get into what happens after. I mean, you have a great team. The, the team at, you know, Azumo, world-class. I mean, you read the, the names of the people that you've put together at the company. It reads like a who's who of the industry. I mean, it's fantastic. Oh, that's nice. So, so when we start looking at it, what's the development look like? What's the time frame? I mean, how often do you sort of get back and collaborate with your clients to make sure they're getting what they really want? Sure. So I, I would say the, the, the primary way we work with our customers is, is we use Agile. Uh, and, and Agile, that's day-to-day, -day, honestly. It is, uh, we, we set up sprints, we work with them uh, in, a, in a defined cadence, and we produce code. Um, and that code is uh, hopefully usable uh, right away. Um, if it's a brand new effort, it'll probably take a, you know, a couple more sprints before you can actually uh, touch and feel it. But we start pushing out code right away based on specs and requirements that have already been written up, or we'll write them up with you as the customer. We'll write them for you. Um, and then we'll start tracking progress uh, and, and start creating release dates for when we think things will be ready. Um, and that is all lined up because we have a really good system about how we work with our customers in terms of uh, the software development effort. Uh, you said something interesting. I'll just, just jump back to it just for a second. Um, when you're writing software, when you're building code, it, it, there's no such thing as being done done. Um, it's just the next feature that needs to roll out. Um, every time we build software, we have a goal of let's get make sure that they have something that they can start making money with, right? Uh, as soon as they can. And then from there, um, there's almost inevitably this push to 
create more features and more, um, and that comes from the customer typically. Um, and our goal ultimately is to have architected something that will allow them to add those features uh, in a way that's inexpensive or at least won't break the budget. Yeah, I love it so much. And of course, GK, you mentioned that one thing that I think about, you know, if I'm a client or a potential client of a Zumo is, is that there's three things that I'm interested. I'm probably interested in setting some goals so I know what the realistic expectations are. I want to know, know the budget, of course, because that's important. And then I, I want to make sure that I'm working within certain deadlines because possibly I have investors on the other side that are looking at those deadlines. That's something you've been able to balance out very well at Azuma with your clients. So let's talk about that. You know, how important is it to make sure that your client's goals, budget, and deadlines are, you know, hitting the mark? Uh, it's the highest goal for us as a business. I mean, if you, we don't exist, if we can't perform for our customers, um, they get unhappy and they want to leave or find somebody else who can do it. Um, so when we sit down and start to have the conversation about what will be built and how it will be built, how it will be built that's part of the conversation without question. Um, and typically what we we don't give customers an easy out where we say it'll be built in three weeks and it'll cost, you know, XYZ dollars. Um, but we do give them enough information for where they can make good decisions. And our and good customers understand that. Once they understand the software development process and, or they've built code in the past, they get that very easily. And for folks who haven't built software in the past or built um, an application, um, you know, that's a little bit more of a conversation, but it's a good conversation. I think it's pretty healthy to have. Yeah, I love it. Let's talk about the actual development. I mean, you've done development for startups all the way through enterprise, you know, Fortune 1,100 companies, I'm sure are very interested in talking to Azumo. I mean, you started with Twitter. What's it look like? Where does it get developed? Is it, you know, you mentioned Nearshore, who's developing it and where? Yeah, so one of the great things about software uh, and software development is that you don't have to co-locate. Everybody doesn't have to be in the same room to get the work done. Uh, COVID for sure proved that correct, right? Uh, that we don't have to be in the same room to all work together. Um, when we built the business, we were remote first. We were a totally distributed company. Uh, and so that gave us the ability to find great talent anywhere in the world. Uh, and so we wanted to focus on what we thought would work uh, for our customers, which was Nearshore. And so all of our development team is based in Latin America, South America. Um, and I mean, honestly, we find you know, absolute geniuses um, who, you know, I would say would be able to work just about anywhere in Silicon Valley and do well. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you're known for your DevOps teams. I mean, they're experts in everything from AWS to, you know, Kubernetes. I mean, to throw something out there. How do you find someone? I mean, how do you hire? What's what's the protocol for you at, you know, Azumo to bring somebody on the staff or on the team, you know, that keeps that high level sort of mindset and approach where you put the customers first? Yeah, thank you for answering. <clears throat> thank you for asking that. Uh, what I'll say is we start with a different mentality when it comes to hiring uh, and searching for folks. Um, number one, it's about our culture uh, and it's about attracting folks to the company who um, are looking for um, the ability to grow and thrive and do unique things that they probably wouldn't be able to do. It separates us, I think, from a lot of the marketplaces where someone's looking for like an individual developer um, for say a six month or three month 
uh, project. You know, they work a little bit and then they're gone and they have to go find another job. Um, and so, you know, their own families, they have very little um, uh, confidence and call it what their next job or gig in that situation will be. Um, and so first and foremost, we have a big recruiting team that goes out uh, and interviews folks. Uh, we get a tremendous amount of inbound um, uh, resumes and CVs from folks who want to work with us. And then we have a great internal referral process where we have folks who refer uh, great candidates to the company over time. Um, and we pay people for that, um, which makes them even happier uh, to do it. Um, and so. You know, what we get is this really unique situation where really good developers reach out to other really good developers uh, and tell them, hey, you should come work at Azumo. It's a great place. Um, and I think that helps a lot when it comes to when we start working with customers because uh, they feel the difference when they're working with us. Yeah, I love it. And your company has really experienced incredible growth. So people watching the show, they're going to be saying to themselves, Man, I, first of all, I wish I could experience that same incredible growth, but how do you manage that type of growth? I mean, you know, what's that all about for the younger entrepreneurs when we think about it, Cheeky? You're growing, you're growing by leaps and bounds. You're working with some of the biggest companies in the world. How does that management of the growth internally happen? What's the, what's the key? Yeah, that's a good question too. So, you know, in terms of our growth, uh, what I'll say is <clears throat> just to give people a little bit of background, we've doubled the business year over year since inception. Um, which um, uh, in tech world, you know, can be meaningful, but we're also a people-based business. So it's a little harder to grow um, in that way when you're, when you're really just, when you're hiring people day-to-day uh, -to, -day to do work. Um, uh, what we've done in terms of, call it the processes and the mechanics internally, is that we've created a lot of things that we think are unique to Zumo. Uh, and proprietary in some ways um, and how we work with our customers and so one of the things we do and I'll, I'll throw it out there is we we use something called an FO it's basically a franchise owner uh, a franchise owner is somebody who works for the customer uh, but the customer may not actually ever uh, know that they're there we don't bill for the person but they're doing a lot of work on the background in the background to make sure that everything's going right um, and it's one of these things where you, you kind of get the oar in the water and it just starts pushing the, the boat forward uh, and the boat starts moving faster and faster and there's this momentum that occurs uh, in the project. And part of that momentum is driven by really good franchise owners uh, that we put in place uh, at, our, at our projects. I love that. The franchise owner concept. We're going to have to bring you back on the show and maybe that's going to be the name of your TED Talk when you go out on the circuit. I love it. Now. Chiki, ever, Chiki, ever since you started Azumo, I mean, you were really following a dream. I mean, you graduated from college, you worked as an investment banker in Silicon Valley. I mean, you advise large and very fast growing technology and software companies throughout the process. And, you know, many of these companies that you consulted with were really at the forefront of the technology revolution, you know, but one thing that all companies have a challenge with is really consistently finding talent and finding talented software engineers. So you built this company to solve that problem. What was the aha moment? When did you say to yourself, man, I'm, I'm going to build a Zumo with my team and here, away we go. Wow. Uh, that aha moment probably happened in 2010, 2012, way before we started the company. And I was just doing work for an IPO. 
and I looked at some of the numbers in terms of what they needed to do in terms of hiring and looking for development talent. And one of the things that struck me was that it wasn't just them who was going to struggle with finding good software developers. It was a huge market. Uh, that was going to struggle with finding good developers because a lot of things were happening in the background that we could see as you know as being part of Silicon Valley, being part of the market. So you know the introduction of the cloud, uh, artificial intelligence, rise of artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, more and more data analysis and data um, processing power that would need to work for us to kind of bind together a lot of different applications, and then this huge infrastructure or uh, businesses who for years and years worked in a certain way that would have to transfer over. There was just no way you're going to find enough um, um, software developers in Silicon Valley in the United States to cover all of that need. It was just it's it was just such a mind-blowing um, call it realization for me that it just became obvious. Yeah, it's awesome. And one thing that that has led to is your company really tracks and measures your own productivity. In other words, you like to hold yourself accountable first. And I think with that approach in business, that really resonates with your clients. Is that basic, the basic idea behind it? That's right. That's right. Um, some of our clients work with us uh, in, this part, in this part of the process. Some of them have their own mechanisms for doing it. We use our franchise owners to kind of report to us what's occurring in those situations. Um, but we typically follow a very strict uh, mode of how do you build software and how do you track productivity of an engineer. Um, and if we find that that engineer is struggling, we will, we will triage to figure out what is going on. Did they not understand the task? Did they not understand what they were trying to build? Uh, did they underestimate or overestimate how hard it was going to be? And why did they underestimate or overestimate? And then we'll go back and we'll try to figure out ways to kind of lock that down. And we run across this in every process, in every project that we run that we run through. And over time, it gets a lot better with that, with a developer. And so they get better and better and better of understanding what is the work effort to get something produced. Um, yeah, I, I, get, I get, pardon me, I get really worried when we have a situation where the developer isn't being asked, hey, how long is this going to take you to build? Um, and and then having a conversation. And, and that level of communication is so critical to building software. And I think it's one of the things that separates us is that we really pound the table with our people internally. You have to talk to your customer. You have to talk to your counterpart, to the product owner. They have to know what you are seeing and what you are thinking. Um, it separates us in a lot of cases from... Some yeah, it's so powerful. You know, the, the, the communication is really the key. And of course, another thing that I look at with your company as a key is you're a big believer in education. I mean, not only for yourself, but for everybody that works there. And they believe, you know, you believe and they, the rest of the team believes that the secret, you know, to opportunity is education. So let's talk about that mindset, because that's, that must be a great mindset coming from the leaders of your company that are working with the rest of the staff. That's right. And so we do a lot with our customers when we're building applications, but we carry a bench. Of, uh, and so if you're done with your job, you go to the bench. And when you're on the bench for us, what you do is you train. Uh, and you train either through the coursework that we provide you, uh, through some of the uh, outstanding 
third-party education services where you're getting to learn new languages, new frameworks. But then rather than turn you back onto a customer with that new knowledge base, we start building things internally. And so in our history, we've built several products that we've released to the marketplace as software applications that are uh, money-paying uh, applications that um, are built from people internally who learn how to do something. And so that's starts with some of the AI machine learning products that we've released over time. That starts with um, um, the NeuroDB product that we do that provides kind of a search booster uh, for uh, companies who are trying to do search. Uh, Healthy Screen, which is a service that we built at the front end of COVID, on and on and on. Wow, it's so interesting. And the other thing that comes to the forefront when you mention the way in which you approach your team is you believe in giving them space. In other words, you believe in hiring the right people and then giving them the space to soar. I think that was a, a, yes. a quote from Oprah Winfrey one time. Let's talk about that and how powerful that's been for your success. You know, I, I think it's one of those things that differentiates us again. It's that ability to trust the people who you've hired to do the job that you've hired them to do. Um, and we have really benefited from this whole notion of, Hey, you're a smart person. You can control your debt. You can control your day. You know what you need to get done. We trust you to do that. Um, people come on board, and it's a little bit unique uh, for them to actually hear that. Um, and then when they get to experience it on a day-to-day -day basis, they realize um, that oh, hey, I can actually take some risk here. I can actually go learn how to do something that's new. Uh, that I've always wanted to do because these folks all love building software. They love writing code. Um, and sometimes they want to, you know, they started off writing in Java and now they want to learn at Python or they want to learn, um, you know, Node. These are all things that we try to give people the ability to do or they want to build in AI. They want to build in machine learning or build um, something that's quite unique for, and they don't, or Flutter, something they've never touched before. Um, and so we won't turn those people onto a customer, but we'll turn them onto something internally to get them up to speed, to get them competent. And yeah, that's super cool. I mean, I could imagine if I'm working with a Zumo and you give me that opportunity, I know that the people at the company care about me. They care about my education. They care about me elevating. They care about me doing better in my own life and educating myself in a meaningful way so that I have a bright future ahead of me. This is awesome. I want to talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship. I know you've only cut out a certain amount of time. I might be indulging myself a little bit with your time, but just before we go, I want to talk to the younger entrepreneurs, Chike, watching the show. You know, they're watching you. They've watched this, you know, hockey stick growth curve. They, they know, you know, a little bit about your background and experience. They see what you've done. You've built this remarkable team. For the younger entrepreneurs watching the show, you know, what kind of sage advice can you give if they're hitting a pothole in the road, maybe they're hitting a roadblock, maybe they're hitting a wall. You know, sometimes younger entrepreneurs or even older entrepreneurs, they freak out a little bit. They freeze in the frame. What type of good advice can you give to those entrepreneurs to keep on pushing? You know, for, I, I think everyone works differently and kind of reacts to things differently uh, emotionally and intellectually. I think from you know, when we have hit walls in our uh, development and our growth, what has worked for me is just to go to base principles. What do you believe in? What works? Put it on paper, do some math, and execute. <laughs> that that has always worked for us. Um, and 
and I, I, I can't say it will work for everyone in that way, but I think it will. I think it's a good way of saying trust yourself, make sure you're listening to your basic principles, doing some math, some analysis around it, and making a decision. Um, and and you just got to push forward. You just. I love it. I love it. That's great advice. I mean. Do some math. I mean, get into the data, figure it out. Of course, coming from, you know, someone like you, that's that's an expected answer, but one that I don't hear very much. Get into it. Get into it. Understand what the data says. Do some math. Figure it out. I love it so much, right? The math doesn't have to be, you know, uh, super advanced here, but it could be, it could be, you know, two plus two, but have a good understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I love it so much. It's great. I'm going to bring you back on the show. We're going to talk more about entrepreneurship. I know you love to mentor and you're a big believer in mentoring and uplifting yourself continually. And that shines through with all the clients that you're working with and your entire team at Azumo. Chike, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I've never seen 30 minutes go so fast. I mean, I was just engaged with everything you said. I learned something from the interview myself. So thank you for that. And I really appreciate what you've done, and and thank you so much for coming on the .com Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. 